Hi everyone, Mark's my name. I'm one of the pastors at CA Church and we're glad you're with us in this online service. I hope you've had a, a blessed and wonder-filled Christmas season with your family and friends and I wish you a great new year. Thanks for trusting us with your presence today. I'm honored and I'm thankful for you. Please take your Bibles, turn to the book of James. We're gonna continue on our series and our text today is James chapter four, verse 13 to 17. This message is out of biblical order. I understand that because it needed to be spoken in a time of planning and New Year's looking and all of that. So I wanted to, to, uh, to postpone that until today. James chapter four, verses 13 to 17. In respect to what we're reading, please stand if you would with me. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city, spend, some, spend a year there, carry on business, and make some money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It, it, it is a mist that appears in a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live this way or do this or do that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, since. Lord, speak to us today. Thank you for the new year ahead of us, for the planning and goal setting and all the things that you were calling us to do and changes in our lives. We need your help in this. And we ask that you would speak to us and we will listen in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, today I'm leaning on some material done by Rick Warren and Del McKenzie, two pastors that have influenced me over the years. And they got, some, they got some great stuff that I want to pull together today as we talk about the whole aspect of the mistakes that commonly are made as we plan and as we look to the future. James 4.13, James sets up this illustration of two business guys that are talking about themselves, amongst themselves, sorry. And they're asking questions, what needs to happen if we're planning into the future? Verse 13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow you're going to have, go to this city, spend, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. All those questions are good. They're great questions. Um, when They answer the good things that we need to answer. When? Well, today or tomorrow. Where? This city or that city. How long? Well, it's going to be a year. What are you going to do? Do business. Why? Going to make some money. Simple plan they had, right? Correct? Good business principles, right? Got all the bases covered, right? No. This plan misses the key person in the whole deal, which is God. This plan ignores God. And then that really leads us to the first common mistake most made in planning for the future. Number one, we plan without God. There, is a, there isn't a single mention of him in the game plan with these business guys. They knew what they wanted to do and how to do it. They, 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 they're trained and they were used to this, so there's no hint of asking or listening to what God wanted. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible does not speak against planning. On the, to the contrary, it speaks about how we should set goals and we should plan and have things right in terms of our mission and purpose, managing the resources that God has given to us. In fact, Proverbs says not to plan is foolish, sinful. Well, this text that we're looking at, through it's dealing with uh, presumption is the issue. Nothing wrong with what these guys are saying, what they did and what they were planning. Nothing wrong. The problem is what they forgot to do. They forgot to include God in this whole plan. And James clearly teaches us this. Watch out for self-sufficiency, he's saying, and thinking that we got it all, all that we need, we got. We don't need God's help. He can do something else. We got this covered. We live in a godless society where business or government or education or commerce 
or medicine are usually areas where God is never mentioned, never mentioned, never sought after. Even Christian business people act as if they're practical atheists. Oh yeah, they believe in God on Sunday, but somehow they believe that God is not that interested in Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or the rest of the days, and we're wrong. We, we don't think that God wants to relate and be involved in our business practices. We're wrong. We live our life and do our business as if God doesn't exist. Most of us here would say, oh, no, 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 I believe in God. Okay, then does God have a say in your business? Does he have a say in our sex lives or our money or our thought lives? Every single day. Is he in our schedule? Uh, some would say, well, God isn't interested in all those things, is he? James declared that God, declares that God is very interested in all of those things and more because he loves us. God wants to be involved in every area of our life, but he also allows us to choose to not include him. In fact, to exclude him from certain areas of our lives. We think we got this one covered. Simple solution to this dilemma that we must include God in every aspect of our life and our planning. James chapter 4, verse 15 says, Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. Interesting. If it is the Lord's will. The best planning is all for naught unless we include and listen to what God is saying to us, His directions for us. Life is iffy. And no one knows what's going to happen about into tomorrow and the next year. We have learned that while we've walked through this pandemic together. With everything in constant change and turmoil, there is only one person who knows what's going to happen in 2021. And that's God. And that's why we should seek Him first and prioritize His plans for the future. Not simply our plans. The solution to this is simple. Ask God. Ask him what he wants us to do. Start uh, prefacing all of our plans with thinking and saying, if the Lord wills. Now, I know that that statement can be overused by some people to the place where it seems to trivialize God. Many people are saying, praise the Lord, every second sentence. And it seems like for some, it's, it's a thoughtless comment. Well, that's not what James is saying here. He's saying this comment overrides our attitude of independence. Folks, the truth is God is in control. So, Lord, our attitude needs to be, what do you want of us? Wherever you want us to go or whatever you want us to do, we will start with that in our plan for the day. In essence, James gives us four possible options as Christ followers in terms of how we will respond to God directing us. First, we can oppose it. Simplistically, we can simply do our thing and rebel. Now, I'm asking you not to do that. Secondly, we can ignore it. Don't go out of our way to oppose God in any way. No, we just ignore him for a while. We put him on hold. The problem is, for some people, we never take God off hold, and we seem to be on hold in many areas of our life. Thirdly, we can choose to accept God, kind of like yeah, okay, if I have to. A bad attitude. I remember as a little kid, uh, some of you that are as old, old as dirt like me remember uh, that mums would feed us cod liver oil, thinking it would save us of all kinds of disease. It didn't. It was just terrible. And we didn't like it. 
That, that's not what I'm asking for at all. The attitude needs to be rather than, than put up and putting up with God's will, we seek God's will with great joy, knowing he knows all and loves all and will guide us. Fourthly, and the, what James is asking us to do, we can prioritize, including God in every decision or plan that we have. This is when we wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. How are you today? Today's another day and I know uh, I, I want to serve you and uh, you have plans, I have plans. I, I bow to your plans first. So as I'm waking up, uh, what do you want me to do? I have some plans, but first and foremost, I want to hear from you, Lord. I choose to listen and start my day listening to you. We got to stop saying, God, please bless what I am trying to do. Please bless my agenda. No, no, Give me success. No. We need to rather say, Lord, I'm thinking and praying, and I want your blessing, but I want to do what you are already blessing. I want to enter into what you are already doing. Please make me successful in knowing and doing your will. Include me in your plans for today. That's our attitude as Christ followers. Let me give you an illustration. One of the great things in my life is to watch the NFL football. I have been thinking on how much a football game, team, and all of that is much like a church team. Have you noticed that before a game, the players are in shape? They've been working out on weights and practicing hard and watching video. They're watching video to understand how the team usually attacks or how they, they defend themselves. And by understanding the strengths and weaknesses of the, uh, and opportunities of the, the, the people we're trying to, our opponents, it, 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 it'll help us win. Then they get their, what is called their game face on. They, it really nothing more than focus. Then, then they, they work on a game plan together as a team. They agree on how they can best defeat this team and win. Where are their weaknesses? Where are their strengths you have to watch for? They are continually huddling together, calling specific plays and making, making changes as the other team makes changes. They call timeouts and make water breaks and talk to the other coaches and, and have players uh, talk to each other and what's, what would work and strategically what needs to be done. Many of the things that I've just mentioned don't happen in churches often. People on a church team don't even often, they're out of shape spiritually and they're tired and unprepared. They, they don't come fired up with vision and prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit, what he's asking us to do and be. They're, they're, they're coming tired. Many of them don't even show up for practice together. Many of them don't have a game face on. There's no focus. Many are not serious about the spiritual things or the spiritual battle that we are in. Ephesians chapter 6. There's some that seem to have no game plan at all, and they're not listening to their head coach. Most Christians don't huddle and talk to God with other, and other believers about the heat in the heat of the battle. They kind of get busy, and they get hurt sometimes, and sit alone on the spiritual bench in a timeout. And some never get back in the game because they've been wounded and hurt. No time is given to regroup, refocus, and to be encouraged. And then we wonder why we lose at the spiritual game that God has called us to serve with him. We forget our calling. We forget his mission. We forget we're partners in the God's grace for this world. I think you get it. Let's go on. Are you stuck in a timeout these days? Are you, you grounded on a bench somewhere? 
The second most common mistake in planning for the future is presuming about tomorrow. James chapter 4, 14 and 16 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are but a mist, a puff of air, that is, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Many of us take our health and our abilities and our strengths for granted. If we really think about it, we have at least two life principles that we need to live by as we think of this point. First, we need to understand and live by the truth of life is unpredictable. A while ago, I watched a movie documenting a terrible tsunami scene. Thousands of people on this beach and all of a sudden the waves came in and the beach became a place of death and destruction. Fortunes get lost, health diminishes, Friends move away or friends die and we lose them. The truth is, for some of us, this could be our last year on planet Earth. There's no guarantee in life. And that really leads us to trusting God. When life and when we live that life is unpredictable, we'll live a certain different way under God's guidance of us. Secondly, life is brief. Verse 14, the last part of that verse, James here uses an illustration that our lives are like a puff of breath on a cold day. We're here, it's here for just a few seconds, then we're gone. James says, remember that we are like a puff of air. We cannot take tomorrow for granted. What we have is today. The simple solution of this, the second dilemma, is live life one day at a time. The future can be overwhelming for us. That's why in God's economy, life comes at us in bite-sized pieces, one day at a time. That way we're never given too much or too little to handle, just enough with his presence. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 34, says this, Jesus speaking, Do not be anxious about tomorrow. God will care for your tomorrow as well. Live life one day at a time one day at a time. Some people plan so much they miss the day. Some people have no plan and so they miss doing certain things and the opportunities that the day offers. They just weren't ready for certain things to come. This underlines why we as Christians are not to be given to worry or fear or anxiety, but we it will drive us to trust God more and more every day. He is great and He is good. Psalm 118, verse 24, I remind you of, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, we don't live in fear. We don't run from life. We enjoy and rejoice. This is God's day for us. That leads us to a third most common mistake in planning for the future, which is putting off doing good. Verse 17, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, sins. Have you ever heard the saying, someday I'm going to get around to doing that? You see, procrastination often destroys our will and decision to do what we know we should be doing. For uh, most people, someday never happens. It seems to never become a reality in light of all the things we would rather do in the moment. We don't choose what we need to do. One of my friends used to say, someday I'm, gonna, I'm aiming at getting to doing that. He'd say, I, I'm aiming at getting into a small group. Uh, I, someday I, I'm aiming at losing some weight. Someday I'm aiming to learn to study the Bible. Someday I'm aiming at it. For years and years, he's been aiming. 
and he just hasn't got certain things done. He's a great guy, but he never actually gets to the important things of life. Of life, He always is aiming, and I think he needs to learn to pull the trigger. I got another buddy of mine, and he's just the opposite. We need to get her done. He always talks about get her done. You won't find that motto in, in the scripture, but it's true for life. In fact, uh, one business uh, author, Tom Peters, talked about uh, ready, aim, fire. Don't wait for things to be absolute perfect before you make a decision or do something. That's kind of what Jesus or James is saying in this text. Don't wait for things to be perfect to get her done. Folks, what are you aiming to do these days? Stop just aiming and choose to develop an attitude of get her done. This is where we face what the Bible calls sins of omission, things that we know God is asking us to do but never got around to doing those. There's forgiveness for this. And God calls us to start again. Procrastination makes us live in a land of one of these days. One of these days, I'm going to get on a diet. One of these days. One of these days, I'm going to spend more time with my kids. One of these days. One of these days, I'm going to go on a vacation with my spouse. I'm going to get involved in the church. I'm going to go to a counselor. I'm going to start tithing. One of these days, I'm going to break a bad habit. One of these days. Problem is, one of these days never comes. The simple solution to this dilemma is to commit ourselves to seize the day and get her done. Today, not some other day. Today is the day. Now, this Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 gets real close to explaining what I just said to you. Do not withhold good to those who it is due when it is your, within your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow. I'll give it to you then when you already have it with you. Ask God to make you a get-her-done type of person, not one who's one of these days. There's a story that happened in Acts chapter 24, starting in verse 24, and that I think I'd like to conclude on today. Several days after Felix, it says, came to with his wife Drusilla, who was a Jewess, uh, he sent for Paul and, dis- and listened to him as he was speaking about faith in Jesus Christ. As Paul discoursed on righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix got afraid and said, Enough for now. You may leave. When it comes to a more convenient time, I will send for you. Interesting phrase. When, it, when I find a more convenient time, doesn't it seem like there's never the convenient time to follow God? It's never convenient to do the right thing, to fight the good fight. I've learned that it's never convenient. And that's part of stepping out in faith. That's part of what it is to be a Christ follower. Even though it is inconvenient, we serve. Some things we never quite get around to it. But today is a window of opportunity where we can do what God is asking us to do. You know, I was thinking when we were putting this whole message together, how I used to love to tickle my kids and play with them. And now they're adults. They got their own kids. I miss that. I miss a certain friend who died, and I wish I could just chat. Someday. We'll meet in heaven. But I miss them here. I think I've missed some opportunities as I look at my life and evaluate some things through this year that I don't want to miss in the years to come. 
I want to make sure that I do what God is asking me to do. Well, let's wrap this up. For the new year, what is God asking you to do? What do you want to be a, a gitter-done person like? What, what is he asking you to, how is he asking you to help others in these days of the pandemic and into the new year? How's your planning going? Are you saying, Lord, uh, you first, or do you step out and make goals, set goals and plan and don't include Jesus in that process? Are you busy trying to make your idea happen or are you asking God to make his idea, his vision to be yours? Well, folks, we've gone through some planning things today and I'm praying that they will help you and I be the men and women that God wants us to be this year. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for every person that's here. Pray that you would take the strength and the practicality of your word and make it ours. Thank you for what you have done in and through us. We pray that you would continue that in these great days. May your grace flow in us and through us to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you. Thanks.